Hi, my name is Andrew Chamberlain and I'm a writer and creative writing tutor and you are listening to episode one of the Creative Writers Tool Belt. So what's going to be different about this podcast? Well, I've found that there are some great podcasts out there that showcase excellent stories. There are programs that give you in-depth interviews and there are some that give you opinions from the most accomplished writers and creative writing teachers. And all of that is great, but there isn't much that simply presents different aspects of the craft with examples and I think that's the best way to learn some of these techniques so that you can apply them to your own writing. So what I want to do is to start a dialogue with others who want to improve in the craft. So I want to hear from you. I'd love to have your thoughts and comments on what issues that you think should be covered. And I want examples of the challenges you face and any comments you've got on the show. I can't promise to cover everything that everyone mentions, but the chances are if a bunch of you talk about one particular topic, I'll try and feature it because I want to learn about it too. And I'm going to be guided in these podcasts by three principles. Number one, make it practical. That's going to mean lots of examples so that you get the best understanding you can of what we're talking about and you can then use it to make a difference in your work. Number two, make it accessible. Anyone at any level of the craft should be able to understand and apply the kind of things we talk about in these podcasts. And number three, be honest. I don't know it all and I'm learning to. So I'm going to judge what I put on this podcast, partly by whether I think I can learn something from it as well as anyone else. So why the creative writer's tool belt? Well, a few years ago, Stephen King wrote a wonderful book called On Writing, a memoir of the craft. And in that book, he talks about the writer's toolbox. And that's a great metaphor in some respects, but I tend to think of a toolbox as something quite heavy, something that you have to keep coming back and forth to, to get the right equipment. I think what a writer needs is a tool belt, something that he or she can wear so that all the tools are accessible all the time. So let's get to it. And I've decided to start with one of the cornerstones of creative writing technique, and that is practicing the art of showing, not telling. Now, writers are often told to show, not tell. But what does that mean? Well, we know what it doesn't mean. It means don't give just a plain, boring description. Don't summarize as if you're trying to get the content of what you're saying out in the easiest and quickest way. You could sum it up by saying, don't write for yourself rather than the reader. And if you've done creative writing for any length of time at all, you'll know that it's very easy to slip back into telling something rather than showing it. But why do we do this? Well, I think it's because life trains us to. We have to spend a lot of our professional lives writing reports, emails, and other correspondence. And when we do that, most of the time, what we want to do is to just report the facts, convey information and try and get whatever we need down as quickly as we can and off in the direction it needs to go. And the problem with that is if you're on the receiving end of something which is simply telling rather than showing, you will just want to summarize it and evaluate it, skim read it, pick out the nuggets that are actually of value and resist information overload. And in many respects, we've all become fast food communicators. And it isn't a good experience for the writer and it isn't a good experience for the reader. And sometimes it makes both of us sick. But if we're not trying to just get information across to somebody else as quickly and efficiently as possible, what is it that we are trying to do as creative writers? I want to just read you a quote from one of the people who I think has got the best things to say about creative writing. And that's a guy called Sol Stein. 
and he said this, the objective of the creative writer is to provide the reader with an experience that is superior to the experiences the reader encounters in everyday life. Now what that means is that as writers, we aren't just trying to tell our reader something, we're trying to enthrall them, we're trying to excite them, we're trying to capture them, we want to hold them in our story. We want them to be mesmerized by our characters. We want them to be intrigued by the scenes that we set. We want to entertain them. And if we don't succeed at that, in this age more than perhaps any other we've had, it's very easy for the reader to just simply put the book down and go and do something else. So what's that got to do with showing, not telling? Well, it's this. If you tell stuff to people, they get bored. If you just tell your reader what's going on, they will disengage from your work and they will walk away. But if you show them, you invite them into the world you've created and you will capture them. And you can usually tell when you're reading something which is showing rather than telling because you get a really strong sense of the mood, of the characters, their personalities, you can engage with the feelings and emotions of, of the people involved in that piece of creative writing. You get a real sense of, of the scene that's being portrayed. And probably the best way to really understand this is to listen to some examples. So I'm going to read out three pairs of statements. The first one of each pair will be telling you something. The second one will give you an example of what showing is. So here's the first one. He was nervous. Now that tells us something about the character. It's not very exciting, it just conveys information. But how about this sentence? He fidgeted in his chair, playing with the rim of his hat. Now that shows us something about that character. And in a way, it transforms the character. It gives us something about that person, which we simply don't get from hearing that he was nervous. Here's another example. She was angry, okay? She was angry. That just tells us something a little bit abstract about the character. But let's look at it in terms of showing something new. She didn't answer. She simply slammed the plates down on the table and went back into the kitchen. Can you see the difference there between those two? Here's another example. She is eating an orange. Compare that to this. As she puts the first segment to her mouth, the air fills with a tangy zest. She licks her lips to catch all of the juice. Now I'm hoping those three examples will give you just a bit of a clue as to what the differences are between showing and not telling. And if you've heard that and said, yeah, I can, I can understand a little bit of that, but how do we do it? Well, what I'm going to do now is to give you five different techniques that I try to use to show rather than tell in my writing. Now, those five techniques are one, use the senses, use sensory language. Talk about what characters can see and hear and taste and touch and smell. Number two, imply things hint at things, suggest things. Number three, sprinkle it with dialogue. Dialogue is a fantastic way to show something going on and to convey personality of your characters. Number four, use detail. Be sparse and specific. And what I mean by that is don't overload your readers with lots of description, but use some very precise, very stark details, just a few of them to sketch a picture of your character or the scene. And number five, include some humor. Using humour in writing is very difficult because you have to get it absolutely right. But if you do get it right, it really does pay dividends in terms of conveying mood and personality of your characters. So what I want to do to illustrate this is to give you two more passages. The first one again will be telling and the second one will be showing. And once I've read them out, we'll explore them both a little bit so that you can see the differences. So here's the first one. 
I came downstairs because I heard the postman deliver some letters. When I got there, I checked for any post. The only post I had was an electricity bill and a letter about double glazing from a company I'd never heard of. I was unhappy about this. I was expecting a letter from my friend. He'd sent me a message on Facebook to tell me that he had written to me. My friend is called Bob. He is six feet, five inches in height, so he is quite tall. Maybe tomorrow I will get a letter from my friend who is currently in Johannesburg, I thought. I returned to my kitchen and decided to make a cup of coffee. Okay, so that was 120 words of dull, frankly. Um, that was just me telling you everything. So what I'm going to do now is tell you essentially the same things, but in a passage which I hope shows what's going on rather than tells it. Awake! That thump had to be the letterbox. I grabbed that black old dressing gown and got down there in seconds. Big Bob, you know, mind you don't bang your head, Bob. That Bob, the one in Johannesburg, he Facebooked me. The letter's on its way. I fumble through the post. Electricity bill, junk mail, what? You've got to be kidding. I need a hot, strong coffee. Now that passage was 69 words, a lot shorter. But as well as that being shorter, it also contained a number of the techniques that I was talking about to show rather than tell. Let's unpack that passage a little bit and see what's in it. Well, I've tried to use sensory language. So there was a mention of an old black dressing gown. You could hear certain things, that thump of the mail as it hit the floor. The phrase, mind you don't bang your head, has within it the sense of hearing things and actually feeling things, fumbling through the post. The verb fumble has a kind of tactile sense to it. Taste, I talk about coffee. In fact, I talk about coffee in both of those passages, but that's the one point at which I'm actually saying something which the reader could identify with in terms of taste. Smell as well in terms of hot, strong coffee. That image should hopefully conjure up in the reader of the mind a sense of a steamy mug of hot coffee. And I'm also doing quite a lot of hinting at things and suggesting things in that second example. When I call my friend Bob, mind you don't bang your head, Bob, I'm implying that he's quite tall. I've also got a sentence which goes like this. Electricity bill? Junk mail? What? Now, I'm not actually saying that my character is disappointed to get the items of mail that he got, but you can sense it and you can see it in what I've said. And that's why it makes perfect sense for the character to then say, you have got to be kidding. Now, you'll notice there's not a lot of detail in this passage. There's just a few very specific pieces of description. I've had a message from my friend Bob via Facebook. That's quite a specific thing. He's in Johannesburg. That's quite specific. He's not just abroad somewhere. He's not just nowhere near where I live. He's in a very particular place. I put on an old black dressing gown to go downstairs. When I go into the kitchen, I don't just make a drink. It's a hot, strong coffee. So this passage, although it's only 69, 70 words, is actually full of very specific descriptions. Now, there's not so much I can show within this passage around dialogue because it just focuses on one character. But at least that one character is talking to the reader at the end of the passage when he says, you have got to be kidding. I need a hot, strong coffee. And in the next podcast, I'm going to actually explore this issue of dialogue a bit further because there's a lot that we can learn about coming out with great dialogue and how it can help us with our creative writing. Now, finally, is it funny? Well, I hope you found it slightly amusing and we may well explore humour in one of the future podcasts. But what I would say about it now is that adding humour to your writing is a high risk strategy. If you get it wrong, you will alienate your reader. If you get it right, 
the scene will come alive, the characters will come alive, and you've got your reader. So those are just a few examples of what we mean when we talk about showing, not telling. And I'll revisit this issue and particularly things like dialogue in the next podcast and in future ones as well. Next month, I'll be talking some more about showing, not telling. And we'll also have a look at some issues around grammar and punctuation. And I have to tell you that punctuation is the only subject that has caused me to have a proper fallout with another writer. Today, I have referred to two books and they are On Writing, A Memoir of the Craft by Stephen King, published by Scrivener, and Solutions for Writers, Practical Craft Techniques for Fiction and Nonfiction by Sol Stein, published by Souvenir Press. And I'd recommend both of those books to you. I'd like to record my thanks to the guys at podcastthemes.com for providing the music for this podcast. If you've enjoyed the show or you want to comment, please do get in touch with me. Show notes and blog for this and future episodes are at my website, which is andrewjchamberlain.com. Please do drop me a line, leave some comments. I'd love to hear from you. Thank you for listening. Until next time, goodbye.